Life-changing conversations. Uh, thanks for hanging out with another episode of the Idea Fountain. My name is Julie Pilot, and today's guest is Liz Hernandez. Uh, before we kick off the party, I'd love to welcome every single person into the room. So uh, I'm just going to go around real quick. Shout your name. Liz. <laughs> um, thanks everybody for coming. As I started off the year, this topic is going to be a little bit different than anyone I've ever done before because I think it's a little bit abstract. Um, personally, I felt like uh, 2019 it, a lot of times got kind of heavy. And whether we want to talk today about support or mental health, I was thinking about this was uh, a discussion I really wanted to have for the podcast because I think connection is so important and people are always moving really fast. And even though things may seem obvious or simple, we don't talk about it enough. And so I, I was racking my brain and I thought, who would be good to have for this? I mean, is there a therapist I know or a motivational speaker or somebody that would know the right thing to say? And then the <laughs> light bulb went off over my head. And I was like, oh my goodness. Uh, one of my best friends has a company that focuses on words being powerful. And so, you know, every single month I interview somebody that has changed my life in some way. And it's funny because this person has been in the middle of my life for almost a decade and or more than a decade. And, you know, whether it was through changing jobs or uh, boyfriends or uh, new ideas or opportunities or traveling the world, she's been right by my side. So uh, once again, today we have Liz Hernandez. I don't think we're going to make it through this without crying. <laughs> Full disclosure, I don't have any tissue in my house. <laughs> I, I purposely put some in my pocket because I was like, yeah, this is going to be a tough one. And I actually had this thought days ago and I went to Amazon Prime to order it, but I think I hit subscribe and save. So it's not coming for like two weeks. <laughs> this is good. This is going to force me to be strong. There's paper towels, toilet paper available upon request, <laughs> sleeves. Oh my God. Um, you know, before we start talking about the tough stuff though, um, I think uh, it's really important. I'd love you to talk about how you started Wordiful and, um, like, talk about the connection, not only with the content, because I think it would have been really easy to say I'm creating this video series, but there's this whole connection with your audience and the live events, too. Um, for people that haven't ever checked it out, uh, give a little background. Okay. Well, thanks for having me first, Julie. Love you. Uh, Wordiful stands for Words Are Powerful, and that started because of my background in radio, where it was really special to be able to be live and have 
real life conversations and see the phones light up and people wanting to share their stories because to me that's what's most impactful in life is our stories and how we share them with each other and that's where connection is built so I mean, you name it, we talked about everything under the sun, whether it was, you know, a Laker parade, swearing in our first black president, uh, your boyfriend breaking up with you, a parent getting sick. I mean, we talked about everything. And when you talk about real life topics, of course, it's relatable. People call up and they want to join the conversation. So when I transitioned into television, that two-way conversation became one way, where it was now I was just reading a teleprompter and there was no connection, at least not for me. And so I, at the time, just, I was feeling just disconnected. I was missing community. And so I thought, well, I'm going to create a project, a passion project that will allow me to get back to storytelling. But it wasn't just enough to do a video series. I wanted to actually have that real life connection where I could see people, we can make eye contact, we could hug each other. And so I created a live event where, cause you know, it's like you get bombarded with social media. People will ask you questions over social media. And a lot of the questions were the same or they would email at the time my website and ask me about either career questions, relationship questions, just life in general. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just get everyone under one roof and answer all their questions at once? And so that's what we did. And it started off with how Liz works and not just how I work professionally, but how I work in my personal life. And then I noticed after the events were over, I mean, these events were like 300 people, the women were staying after and they wanted to share their stories because there was something I said that was relatable. And so then I thought, I don't have enough time to do it here, but what if I created a safe space where as women, we could get together and share their stories share what they what was important to them what they wanted to talk about whatever it was they were going through and not that I was trying to exclude men men are always invited to the bigger events but I just knew and I think it's because I come from a tribe of women how important that support felt that I just wanted to create something uh, that felt very authentic to me and where I felt I could be valuable to these women and um I consider myself an optimist mm -hmm. in fact there's been times you tease me because you always say don't call julie if you want a boohoo <laughs> <laughs> misery does not love company when it calls julie's house so you know we have it's so interesting because we have those different types of girlfriends there's the girlfriend you can call who you know she is just gonna side with you and she's gonna say that it's horrible i'm so sorry that happened you know you deserve better Whatever it is, she's just going to be there to cry by your side. When I called Julie Pilot, though, it is so different. She's like, okay, that's really sad, but let's look at what your options are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. here's, yes. Okay, yeah, and she's like, we'll put that in the category of everything happens for a reason, but... <laughs> Here's, here's what I heard you say, A, B, and C. Here's what we can, and what's so great because I know that if I need to find a solution right away, she's the person that I call. Uh, well, thank you. But uh, part of the reason I bring that up is because I am so, um, I'm an activator, right? Mm -hmm. I like to figure it out. I don't like to sit in sadness. Am I crazy that it feels like 2019 was kind of a heavy year? I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people, and it, it, I would even say 2020 now with everything that's unfolding, it, it feels 
as if it's just a continuous year, you know, as or the energy is continuing. So, I mean, I'm probably the wrong person to ask because it was an extremely heavy year for me. Uh, but I think, you know, I always look at it this way. It's like the way we have the seasons. We have winter, spring, fall, summer. That's how life is. There's going to be times where we're in winter and we're going to see a lot of loss and it's going to feel really dark and it's going to feel heavy and you know you can't see the blue sky over the gray and then there's going to come another season where suddenly you feel reinvigorated and inspired and you see ideas starting to sprout and that kind of feels like a spring and then next thing you know you're in full motion and it's like summer it's like all it's a free-for-all you know right and then there's fall where there's growth and all of a sudden maybe it's struggle but it's not painful struggle but it never ends those are the cycles like we are so in sync with mother earth that we go through the exact same seasons of life it's pretty cool people here that have been involved in youth mentoring uh have done the native american medicine wheel tra uh, tradition and we talked about it on the wolf connection episode too that reflects on the different seasons of life and the the thing that's funny is they say no matter what season you're in you wish you were in the opposite always right? like if it's summer and you're on fire and like works crazy you wish you were hibernating and then you know if you're just starting something new you wish that you were in the fall and like a seasoned veteran at it um uh and one thing that i wanted to ask you as i looked at it back on the last year was i found and i think part of this has to do with right now we connect with people in so many different ways right i mean it's such a privilege to have everybody here in my living room and have these conversations in person but it's so easy to feel connected to your friends because you text them or on social media and one of the things I witnessed last year was I knew people going through really difficult times, like family members being sick or things like that. Um, and I saw people in our circle that just didn't know how to handle it and didn't know how to connect. And um, I, I'm curious, after you having a difficult year, what did you learn about grief? Or what do you recommend... Um, that people should do if they know somebody going through something hard and they don't know what to say? You be really transparent and say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. And I'm sorry you're going through that. And I, if, if I come across awkward or if I say the wrong thing, I apologize. But the intention is good and I'm, it's because I love you and I want to be here for you. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, for me, losing my mom in November, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude for the way my friends showed up with support. Uh, it was really important for me, you know, self-support is the most important support because you need to know sometimes too what support looks like for you. Like, what do I need? Because it's hard if we can't communicate what we need to somebody, how can they show up for us? Right. But what I also learned is there's another piece of that pie is sometimes we don't know at when we're going through a, a, like a loss of a parent what we need because we're so lost in, in our emotions and our, in our feelings. And it was so beautiful to just see my friends go into action. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's what we need to do for our friends is just go into immediate. Like, I didn't know I was going to need food for a week and people were showing up with food at my house. I didn't know that I was going to just not, I didn't want to be alone. And I never had to say to somebody, will you stay here with me? It's like, no, we're not leaving you alone. Like, we're going to be here. It, so it's, it's sometimes it, it's just taking initiative for the right. people that you c- say you care about. Yeah. Yeah. And I know sometimes, I mean, this will sound strange, even people that aren't a part of my core circle, right? Like, um, there was somebody in our yoga circle that passed away before the holidays. And um, I wasn't super close to her, but she meant something to me. And I felt like um, I knew her cousin and the news was so shocking, but I even thought like, oh, I don't want to bother. Like we weren't that close. But then I know I did reach out just to try, even to leave a voicemail and just put the energy out there. And I was blown away how much it meant to her, right? 100%. I, I mean, I was really surprised because, you know, I get into a headspace of, oh, people, this is their time with their family. They shouldn't be bothered and stuff. But it sounds like it all matters. It completely matters because, again, you know, we are built for connection and whether we realize it, yeah, of course, there's going to be moments where you need solitude, but that will also come naturally. If, if someone texts you and you're not in the space to reply, you're just not going to be in that space. It doesn't mean you don't appreciate it, you know, because I had someone very close to me and didn't reach out for two months and I was shocked. I was just, it, even though I had all this support around me, I was like, this person isn't showing up for me. What why and it's so interesting because we do we gravitate towards the people we love and we want to know that our tribe is there it's just it's almost like that security blanket right we just want to know you're there even if it's nothing is being uh reciprocated for me at the time in my moment of grief but just to know you're there is really powerful after going through what you went through losing your mom if um, somebody else were dealing with a loss right now and feeling low or helpless, uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give them? (sighs) Is to honor what you're feeling first and foremost. You know, that's the thing is I think when we are grieving, we think that we're only supposed to grieve for so long that, okay, it's a new day. I'm supposed to wake up and feel better, be a little bit further along. Right. And you just have to honor where you're at and not rush the process. That's my first piece of advice. My second piece is, again, to that self-support is to know what does support look like for you? What is it that you need? And if that's having to ask your friend, because if they're a friend, they're going to understand and they're going to be there. Hey, I, I need this right now. Uh, and not being afraid to communicate that. You know, and the one thing I learned too, you know, like I said, I was so overwhelmed with gratitude at how my friends were showing up. And I said that to another friend of mine and she says, Liz, I don't understand why you're so surprised. She goes, you have to be a good friend to get good friends and you've Mm. been a good friend. And so that was a huge uh, kind of eye opener for me as well, because once I was not that I'm out of the grieving process, but I'm not as deep in it that was the first thought that came to mind. I want to be such a better friend because I was so taken back by how amazing everyone showed up in my life. And isn't it amazing how um, 
if you just focus on the little things, how much they matter, right? Like uh, just taking time to go on a walk with a friend mm -hmm. or I, I mean you don't have to go to crazy dinners or no you know, it, let me tell you like this it was it was the smallest things during that week that mattered so much just a friend staying at the night at my house and sleeping in bed with me <laughs> like that meant so much or riding in the car and like holding my hand or just helping me get dressed I mean it was the smallest things or oh, I'll cry if I say it but just like you sending flowers like your bouquet, your bouquet of okay, flowers. Okay, don't cry. I know, but I mean, it was just like, it was just so. It was, it was just the most thoughtful thing. I mean, I, I told Julie, I texted her later. I was like, your flowers were like the biggest ones next to my mom, and it just, I felt that. I felt so loved, and I felt so supported. Well, I mean, I think it's important to note, and again, these are things that may seem obvious, but I think it's good to talk about because even as close as we are. Uh, I love flowers. I mean, I love me some flowers. But there's been a lot of times um, I know people that have lost people that, and they think flowers are a waste of money. They would rather somebody donate to a charity in honor of like their mother's name. And I know you do so much work for the Alzheimer's Foundation and stuff. And I really wanted to send flowers. <laughs> but I texted her and I was like... Uh, would you rather I make a donation in your mom's name or send some flowers? And she hit me back and said, what's ever in your heart? And it was so crazy because right when I walked up and, you know, we're at my mother's viewing and it's like right next to my mom, like the first big bundle of flowers. And I see Julie Pilot and I was like, she made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and it just, it brought me so much peace because I felt supported. Good. Well, uh, I'm happy because uh, I love you so much, and uh, I loved your mom a lot too, and have a lot of really good memories from her that I'll uh, remember for the rest of my life. So same. It all it all matters. Um, I want to talk about social media a little bit. I think when people he feel the heaviness, um, did anybody see, I think it was a Dave Chappelle joke where he was talking about anybody that's in our age group, mm -hmm. like we were all kids in school when the Challenger exploded. Yes. And that was like the most traumatic event of like <laughs> our lives, <laughs> our lives, seeing that happen while we were in school. And he's like, now with social media, people are seeing the Challenger explode every single day. Oh, no, I <laughs> never know? thought of it that yeah, well, I mean, I give Dave Chappelle that credit. Shout out uh, to Dave Chappelle. When, um, you know, I think when I say uh, people are feeling the heaviness, um, a lot of the fatigue may come from social media and politics and everything right now. How do um, you balance that? Again, it's knowing what self-support looks like. I can't, like say that enough because I was confusing even for myself who I feel like I'm pretty self-aware is sometimes we can can confuse support as codependency and I feel like a lot of us are codependent on our phones mm -hmm. to be there for us you know we look for our happiness and our joy and our excitement and our hit of you know dopamine, dopamine uh from our phones and it can also be in, in relationships, you know, sometimes we're codependent on a friend to make us feel better, codependent on a significant other to, to be there for us. And uh, what happens when that goes away and we don't know how to care for ourselves? So that's why I say it is so important to know how do I soothe myself? How do I make myself do, feel better? What is my go-to uh, 
saving graces? Is it diving into a good book? Is it cuddling on the couch with a cup of tea and my dog? Is it going for a walk? Is it exercising? Is it meditation? Is it prayer? I have to know what those support buttons look like for me before I can come to my phone looking for it. It's like having the tools in your kit toolbox. Absolutely. Uh, I went to um, one of my favorite episodes, shameless plug, of the Idea Fountain was uh, Max from the Center for Humane Technology. Um, And I actually reached out to him this month because after we lost Kobe and Gigi, uh, after about a week, I wasn't feeling good. Right. With social, I mean, it really felt like, maybe it felt like this all over the world, but especially in LA, it just felt like the city was in an absolute fog. And I asked his opinion, and he said, you know, he was really conflicted because social media can be a powerful place for people to come together and mourn and share stories. But he said, you have to realize that your phone doesn't know that someone died they know that something happened that's getting more engagement and causing you to spend more time on it so it's going to keep serving that more and more and more and he also said an interesting thing if you think about it if you go to a funeral people usually show up and say you know share stories about a person or talk about how great they were but on social media it becomes a story about us I'm heartbroken. I'm devastated. And it like becomes this one uppingness. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you're getting the dopamine hit from the misery. And um, also, you go to your phone when you're being mindless. So at any any given point, you'll grab your phone and it'll just be buckets of emotion. And he was saying he wishes there was more a platform where you could choose to log in and like remember somebody or share stories rather than it just getting pushed to you all the time. Well, not only that, is also when you're going through a major life event, whether it be a death, whether it be a breakup, a divorce, whatever it is, loss of a job, social media is such a huge, it's already a reminder just being in this world that life is moving on despite your pain, despite your grief. But when you log onto your phone, you really understand that, you know, at one point I was like, how is everyone just getting on with their lives? Like, this is going on in my life right now. Yeah. And it, social media moves so fast that it feels a little insensitive. Right. Right. And so that's why it's such a reminder that, okay, I need to step away from this because this isn't part of my reality right now. My reality is I need to just take time to be present in my life because once I dip back into here, it's overload of information and I already feel social media is already so insensitive to so many things. So Mm -hmm. it's going to feel like it's on steroids when you're grieving or when you're in going through heartache or when you, you know, it's like if you've just broke up with someone, the last thing you want to see is people flaunting their relationships. I'm engaged. Yeah. (laughs) I want to run down the aisle to him. She said yes to the dress. (laughs) Um, uh, okay, a couple selfish questions. Just this is the type of stuff Liz and I will talk about over tea. Um, what about... Um, and not tea, gossip tea, like real tea. Yeah, like <laughs> lemon and ginger. Um, I've got to clarify all this now. What about uh, how do you deal with 
um, you were talking about like taking care of yourself and your go-to. One thing I'm challenged with sometimes is there are so many people I care so much about and my network or community is so wide. Mm -hmm. And at times you feel like you can't keep up. Like, for example, I have a lot of travel this month and I feel like a jerk when somebody says, I miss you, I wanna get together. And I'm like, check back in April. You know what I mean? I really feel like a horrible person. Um, how do you deal with keeping up with your connections? Ah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, this past year I've been working on a book and so I've allowed that to be my practice for self-care as well. So I tell people that, let's go for a hike, let's catch up on coffee. Because if I did that, catching up with people is a full-time job. Yeah. And so I say, hey, I'm really excited. I'm working on a book right now. It needs my full attention. So do you mind if we do this like in a couple months? Right. And I really feel that the people who love you and support you will understand. And the ones that don't, you can't worry about it because for me, it's really important just to stay in my lane and to do what is... Oh, explain the stay in your lane thing. This oh. is good. This is good. <laughs> so my good friend, David Kessler, uh, who I just adore, he taught me how important it is to mind my own business and to sweep my own front door. And what I mean by that is he calls it the three lane rule. There is my lane, there is their lane, and there is God's lane. So at the time he was helping me, and this was two years ago now, uh, I was going through so much. I was dealing with you know, my mother being ill, uh, starting my new company, having left my job, uh, my relationship had ended, and I was focused on the heartbreak now of my relationship. And you, know, you ask all the normal things that we ask in relationships when we're going through the breakup. Well, what if he starts dating somebody new? And how is that gonna make me feel? And who are they following on Instagram? And, you know, and David said, you, what, what is Liz doing? Who is Liz dating? Who is Liz, you know? And I couldn't quite grasp the concept until he said, listen. He said, there is your lane, there is their lane, there is God lane, God's lane. And anytime you swerve into someone else's lane, you are likely to cause a collision, AKA pain to yourself. And if you ask the questions, what are they doing? What are, what's going on with them? He says, you need to bring it back to your lane and ask, what is Liz doing? What, is Liz, what makes Liz happy? What does Liz want to do tomorrow? Who does she want to hang out with? Whatever those questions are. And then if you're asking future questions, will we ever get back together? Will this work out for the best? Whatever it is, he says, now you're trying to predict the future and you're in God's lane. So anytime you have those roaming questions in your mind, you have to ask yourself, whose lane am I in? And if you're in the other person's lane or you're in God's lane, swerve back into yours because you're going to cause a collision and you're the one who ends up with all the collateral damage. Oh, I just want to know the answers right now. <laughs> Trust me. And sometimes, can you know. I get a, can I get a fast track? <laughs> but it's so interesting because we become mindless sometimes, right? Yeah. Where we, we, don't, yeah. we don't realize that we've lost control of the mind. Uh -huh. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I've been hanging out in God's lane for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or I've been hanging out in this other person's lane for like 15 minutes. No wonder I feel horrible. And my favorite... One of my favorite mantras for myself is my feelings are feedback for what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. So anytime I'm not in a good place where I'm feeling 
sad, jealous, angry, resentful, I realized that I'm probably in another lane. Yeah. Um, all right. I have a couple more questions and I want to actually open it up and hear from some people in the room. Another challenge I have is somebody make up a hypothetical problem. I don't want to like, I don't want to like say a problem and then have it be a problem. Hypothetical problem. Shanna, give me a problem. Say I had a problem. The, I don't know why this is the only thing I can think of. The grocery store is out of oat milk. The grocery store is out of oat milk. Okay. So I go to a friend and I say the grocery store is out of oat milk. And I talk about my problems. And uh, <laughs> That was a real L.A. problem, good. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I is this an Air One? <laughs> it's so funny how our brain works. That's the only thing you could think of. And then I went straight to gratitude and couldn't talk because I was thinking about all, those, all the oat milk in my fridge right now. Hilarious. Um, okay. So I go to a friend and I say, Liz, I'm so stressed out. The grocery store is so out of oat milk. And we have a conversation. I don't, I don't, but the, I, I feel like there's people I know that the next 10 times I see them, they'll be like, oh, did you find any oat milk? And like, I don't want to be victimized. I don't want it to be my thing, right? So how do you walk that line of being vulnerable in your relationships and counting on others without like, again, I don't want to be victimized. Right. Because we all have that I don't want to say we all have that person, but it is. It's it's sometimes hard to be vulnerable. Let me just start over. It all starts with trust. You have to know who you can trust because you don't want to be pigeonholed into one problem. Like you say, if that person's like every time they see you're like, oh, I'm sorry, Julie, did you get your oat milk? I know, I know the oat milk. It's been really hard to go a whole week without the oat milk. Almond milk. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> or yeah, or they try to give you their advice. Have you, oh my God, have you tried, have you, have you tried almond milk? Cause it might be better than the, and you're just like, I just want you to, that is to me, one of the most fundamental things we can do for the people we care about when it comes to support is just listen, yeah. just listen. I mean, it's so incredibly important, not give our advice, not tell them what they should do. Cause you know, I don't like the word should don't ever should somebody just listen. And I had to learn that over. It's still a lesson that I'm learning, but it's really important. Yeah, there's people, I actually know people, and this is the worst thing somebody could say to me, is like if I say I'm working on something, there, there are seriously people who go, well, what's your plan B? I'm like, to punch you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not the focus right now. Right. Because again, most people are projecting what they would do or how they would handle a situation or they're, you know, you can ask someone relationship advice and all of a sudden their PTSD comes up and they're like, you should leave, you know, because they're talking about their last relationship and they may not even have heard what you said. And that's why I feel, you know, it's so important to have, because with support, these should be the people in your life that are going to help you see your options and be really good soundboard. And you have to know who those people are for every department of your life because there's going to be people that are good for your personal life and then people that are good for your professional life. And I mean really close friends. Yeah. And when it comes to personal life, you're going to have different friends for different departments of your personal life. Like I have a friend I go to for relationship. I have a friend that I go to for family. Uh, I have a friend that I go to for maybe even just talking about my pet because they're a little bit more sympathetic and they're a pet person. 
Uh, and then it comes to my professional life. There's a friend I go to for financial advice that I can really trust and who's not going to be judgmental on maybe how I do things or is able to explain things a little bit better. And then there's the person who I talk to about inspiration behind what I should create next or how to compartmentalize certain things. So it's so important to have these uh, understandings of everybody's strong suits of who can be a good soundboard for you in different departments. So you don't get that person who probably isn't really good at the relationship stuff. And every time they see you, they're more of like the sympathetic empath who's like, are you still single? It's going to be okay. And you're like, I just wanted to talk about who I was dating yeah. <laughs> or something. Or the you know? milk. <laughs> <You're not laughs> milk. So, yeah. 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 I think that's awesome. Um, okay. I want to open it up if there's any questions or I have questions for people in this room too. Does anybody have any questions for Liz? I want to jump into. Well, I got a quick one. So okay. In the intro, you talked about your company, but it went pretty quickly. I'm not quite clear what it is. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you bringing it back. So yeah. So if I didn't make it clear, uh, Wordiful started as a passion project and became my full-time job. And it's a video series. And every week I release one word and it's about a 60 second video. And I choose this word depending on what season of my life I'm in. So it's usually a word that I have found struggle with, that I've grown from, that I'm currently learning through, uh, that maybe I feel there's, we could use it in a better way. Um, like I say, like should is one of my least favorite words. And because uh, I always feel like we should on ourselves and we should on other people and we're telling ourselves well I should have went to the gym or I should have done this and then well you should go do that and I just try to be really mindful of how I use the power of my words uh, and so with that it started as a video series and now has blossomed into these live events where we gather and we talk about uh, issues we're facing but it's usually revolving around one word like self-care or self-talk or confidence or grief. And I mean, I think it's worth mentioning when we were talking about your mom, it was really inspired by your mom, right? So a big part, yeah, a huge part of it. Uh, my pa I was very fortunate growing up. I had parents that were extremely influential in my life and especially when it came to how they spoke to me. Um, you know, my parents always made me feel very loved and encouraged with their words, always told me I could do anything, be anything. My mom, we say, was very cariñosa, very loving. And, you know, you walked in the front door and she just made you feel like literally Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> and so I, I feel like a big part of my success, especially in the industry, is because of the foundation of those words that I truly believed what they were telling me. And so when I started this passion project, simultaneously my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she began to lose her speech. And it really made me evaluate how beautiful one it is that we can communicate with each other, how special it is that we can actually verbalize how much we love each other and care about each other. Because imagine if that was taken away, if suddenly you just lost your voice and you couldn't tell the people you love that you love them and uh our stories you know my mother was losing her memories and her stories and i just thought oh, i just want to know so much i want to ask you so much and i was losing that so it just 
took on all this whole new meaning. It wasn't just about communication and storytelling and community. It was now a way to honor my mom as well. And when your mom lost her words, what did she hang on to? And just a testament to my mother, her last four words were two phrases. She would say, I never lost I love you till the day she died. Um, never lost thank you and yes and no. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Um, speaking of moms, Jill Deegan, I, I mean, you're like the OG mom in the house. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, when we're talking about support, I feel like a lot of people come to you when they're freaking out. Like, with everything that's happening, what's your go-to mom advice? You're going to have to speak up here. Oh, geez, Julie, that's a lot. It, it, it's really specific to the situation. I don't think that there is an answer to everything. I have always, I've, I worked with Julie for many years and I've known Liz and her sister, which I didn't even realize the two of them were connected. But younger people who I have had the pleasure to work with, I've always been kind of the boss and I didn't put up with any bullshit in the corporate world, which we had to deal with. So I was the person and the voice of reason that younger people could come to and I would help them through the process of our corporate structure. And um, it meant the world to me that people cared what I thought because I could not, uh, there's a lot of times that I'm not really nice because I bulldoze my way through things, especially when people don't have a voice. So I've always been that, that person's voice. And those people are still a big, huge part of my life. Yeah. I'm just, I, I'm a mom first, and my career was second. And when people are feeling like things are really heavy or stressed out or alone or more isolated, what advice would you have? It, I, every situation's different. I, it's really hard to say that, you know. There's not one Band-Aid for everything. I spent a lot of time listening, and that was one of the things that I did best. Even as crazy as our, I mean, our jobs were crazy. Um, I, I always cared about the people I worked with, and they meant the world to me. And whatever they were going through at the time, because they didn't have big voices in our company. Um, as they grew up, we have had a huge respect for one another mm. for many years. So, hence, I go to a lot of weddings, and I've watched a lot of women and young men grow up. <laughs> it's really nice to be in a, in a community like that. I'm, I'm so blessed. Well, and I mean, it also, you know, you put a lot of work in making the rounds. I don't know how many times you just uh, popped into my office. Honey, what's going on? Well, I, think, <laughs> you, I think you said it. It's really about caring and being present, you know. It's, it, when we're present, there's so many beautiful things that unfold right in front of us that I think otherwise we would miss. Like I was just saying today, I was at the grocery store and they had oat milk. And, <laughs> and, and as I was checking out, I got into a conversation with the checker who was checking me out. And because I was really present and not in my phone or not just 
doing my own thing, we started a conversation and within 10 seconds, the conversation turned so heavy. You know, we were talking about the farmer's market. And then, you know, he asked me if, you know, oh, what farmer's market did you go to? I was telling him I went to the farmer's market the other day. I was like, oh, in Manhattan Beach. He said, oh, is that where you live? I said, no. He says, oh, you know, there's one over here. And blah, 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 blah. And then the next thing I know, he's, I said, well, where are you from? And he told me he had just moved because his marriage of 20 years was ending. And his eyes just started welling up. And it was just such a beautiful moment that he felt safe enough because I was present to share that with me. And, you know, we were able to exchange stories. And I ended up telling him how, you know, my parents were married for over 40 years and my mother just passed and how we're all dealt different hands. You know, nobody's exempt from the grieving process or from heartache. We just have different paths and different stories, but we left each other feeling connected because somebody cared and somebody was present. And you took the time. That's the key, is having the time, and it, and it can take two seconds, and it means the world to somebody. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm blown away because you usually buy like one avocado. And... <laughs> <laughs> buying a lot of creamer. <laughs> Creon, come up here. I want yeah. you to talk about what you've been experiencing because you've been working overtime, creating connection in your community. Um, where did that come from? And tell people what you've been doing. Oh. There's something special in Thank you, thank you. Um, I was speaking to someone earlier, and um, it was inspired by something similar to this. Um, listening to the group um, made up of a bunch of artists, the common thread everyone shared was how much they needed community. Um, as an artist myself, I know I've got my little small, tight-knit community. Like, yeah, we rock with each other, but we ain't gonna mess with those guys over there. <laughs> and there's only so far you can go in life with that. So um, I started a monthly conversation or a monthly meetup for creatives, creative conversation. And um, it's to kind of get each other inspired about what we're doing. Um, we can share resources. Hey, have you used Fiverr? It has great logo-making skills. Um, but even further than that, really just touch base on, like the last conversation we had, um, unfortunately, we lost Kobe. But how are we dealing with it as a community? And how are we kind of um, focusing on our legacy? Um, yeah. What's it called? Creative conversations, um, but oh, this is inspired. You like a couple other like. No, no, I was gonna, I was gonna try to share. So, um, creative conversations is inspired by um, the company that I started, or the lifestyle brand, um, Young Urban Scholars. Um, I, I, I do music, and I wanted to do a record label, but I realized like how encompassing, all encompassing, um, hip hop is, and it's like not just music. So again, the first thing that I tried to start, or I'm starting. Um, it's creative conversations just to get, give the community um, just something that we can hold on to, not just music or content out there, videos. That's, that's great. But again, I know that I need community besides my tight-knit like, friends that we all work with. So. And say what your hashtag for your community is. Um, oh, something special in South Central. <laughs> that's actually going to be the, uh, the name of the project I'm putting out. So it's it's That's it's good. it's really cool um i'm kind of getting choked up thinking about it uh -uh. just um hearing about liz's experience 
um, just in the grocery store. I, 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 in the last year, I, I, it resonated so much with me. Um, I think just us being open and vulnerable means a lot. We can go a lot more further um, when we're vulnerable. And I find myself, um, and again, that, that's partially why I created Creative Conversations, um, just realizing how much further I've gotten just with a random person or even someone that I've known for years, but I wouldn't really touch on certain portions of the conversation that may be a little more touchy. Um, but in doing so, I realized um, it's brought us a lot closer. So. And, and you know what I love? When you talk about words are powerful, I'm going to put Creon on blast like I didn't already. But... Um, you know, he's really good at coming up with slogans and marketing campaigns. And his first one was overworked and underpaid. And they had like these t-shirts and that was their crew. And I'd be like, don't wear that. Don't put that label on yourself. And it just makes me so happy that it's evolved to something special in South Central. Mm, right? I love that. But yeah. I think what you said was really powerful too. You know, that just that sense of community. That was the one thing I really appreciated about Los Angeles in the wake of everything that did happen around Kobe Bryant was seeing how despite our close inner circles, we reached out to each other as a city. Like everyone came together. We knew we needed each other. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was the most powerful example of what it really means to be a, like our city was a tribe. Yeah. yeah. Alicia, is there anything you want to say about what you've been experiencing uh, with the Artists in Residence program with the community? Uh, yeah, you're going to have to come up here. But um, through Black Sheep, I know you've been having some interesting connections. Yes, so um, I am a black sheep, um, which I'm probably sure not all of you have heard of it, but um, it's a network of professionals throughout the world now um, in London, Mexico City. Um, and basically, they get together to um, get shit done. And so, <laughs> literally, so they have uh, a program called Artists in Residence where they pick six artists um, throughout um, the United States. And some were like musicians, myself, I'm a chef, and we get mentors and we get to go through this program of um, support, basically. And I've been in it this last year and it's been life-changing um growing up um in south central i didn't realize um that i could have my own business that i can um put myself out there and receive um so much love and um it's really built up my confidence because there's no limits right and not just the physical but helping change and grow someone's mentality um, has been the biggest takeaway for me and um, like I always I grew up in youth centers I, um, a place called home was a big part of in South Central was a big part of my life growing up and so I knew that there were people that came into my community to help and kind of show different perspectives and that's where I met Julie um, way back when oh, <laughs> But um, to see that in my professional life and to see people really want to see me succeed because they know that it's not just me and that I'm so connected to my community that um, 
how I see it is like if I win, then everyone behind me is going to win because there's no way that um, it's kind of been drilled in me that there's no way that I can like go forward without giving back. And I think this particular episode touched me because um, words are so powerful. And my mom also lost um, her ability to speak um, due to a stroke. And um, literally overnight, um, she couldn't say any words. And so that right there struck a really strong chord because um, I had to figure out new ways to communicate and new ways to understand what she was feeling. Um, and so I started to choose my words more carefully. And because she could like do basic yes, no answers and things like that, and it got really interesting because um, I noticed that food was the only way she would like respond to me. She was also a chef and um, like give me like um, like a smile or something. And so it's really funny because um, she ended up getting a machine later on and um, that helps her like communicate with her eyes. And like the first thing she's like typed was like, I love you. You know, it's like because like for three years, like she couldn't say she couldn't say it. But obviously we know she felt it. So. It's just, um, it's taught me not to take my words for granted. And so this episode oh. just like, hmm. ah, so thank That's you. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I always think about that. Like, what if we were only allotted, like, I don't know, 100,000 words for the rest of our life? If that's all you had left and you knew once you hit that capacity, like, that would be your last word. And I think, what would you do less of? What would you gossip less? Would you talk badly less? Really, because you just never know when day those words can run out, right? Yeah. Thanks, Alicia. Um, all right, before we wrap up, anything else in the back? Finest Hour community, anything? Uh, any questions back there? All right. I know, actually, I was wondering, I know that um, you choose your time wisely daily and do you have a routine getting up is it um maybe do you do um you know mindset or prayer or something that you try to keep on the daily i know i try and life happens but for the most part is there something that you go to i'm huge on rituals huge huge so uh, for me, it's become as serious as brushing my teeth. <laughs> uh, yes, every morning I gratitude journal. It's the first thing I connect it to my coffee so that it's also connected to a reward so that I do do it. So there's no coffee. Or if there's no gratitude journaling, there's no coffee. So they go hand in hand. And I write three things every morning that I'm grateful for. Even before I do that, though, uh, first thing when I wake up, I always say thank you. That's my morning prayer. And uh, once I gratitude journal, and I've now implemented, uh, I have this prayer box that was handed down to me from my mother. So I greet my mother in the morning. I have a little conversation with her, and I pull from the prayer box and uh, try to just ingest that. And I'm the only thing that I, I was just having this conversation with my friend Diane. Uh, the only thing that I fall off of sometimes is meditation. And I'm trying to be really diligent about that because I see the benefits of it in my life when I'm very consistent uh and if people don't know like for me those benefits are i'm just more elated i feel like i have more clarity i feel i'm in a better mood 
I just feel more optimistic and it's there's just so much connected to meditation uh, it's kind of like when you go to the gym right you go to the gym and you feel really good and your endorphins are high and your body feels strong and you're like i'm gonna come to the gym every day and then all of a sudden you don't and you're like what am i doing with my life <laughs> that's how meditation is for me uh so and then i write affirmations those are the two things that i'm extremely diligent about because i feel it's really important to have direction in my life so uh I write seven affirmations for each area of my life, mind, body, soul, family, social, work, and money. And I know that seems like a lot, but I figure that there's, you know, anywhere from like, what, 15 hours in our day. And if I can just take 10 minutes to just at least write what it is that I'm trying to uh, set the intention for, to me, that's extremely important. Yeah. Um, I had a revelation recently. I had gotten out of um, practice of therapy. Just I used to go to therapy all the time, and the best advice I ever got was the healthiest you'll ever be is when you go to therapy when you don't need therapy. Mm. And um, just changing jobs, changing other sides of town, I, I got away from it. And um, it felt really overwhelming to me you know, just oh, like figuring out insurance. And then you're like going through the yellow pages of like, is this person going to be a good therapist? And I finally um, missed a flight. <laughs> and then was like, okay, if I'm actually in town and have more time to myself than planned, what was I supposed to do? And I was like, maybe today's the day I figure out this therapy situation. And you know, it's fascinating to me that I didn't know. Like a lot of therapy is now done on Zoom. So wow. you can just face-to-face -face connect with your therapist. Like, I'm going to go out of town this weekend and still be able to do my therapy appointment. Oh. And you're not stressing about, like, driving across town. And right. it's a lot less intimidating. So I think for support, when you're talking about those personal tools, I think it just it really helps so much because there is so much stimulation coming at us so fast. Well, and here's what I wanted to say too, what triggered when you, I don't know what you said, but it's something in my brain just went ding, ding. Uh, what I found to be so helpful, again, just adding to your tool belt of support, you know, at night, it's so easy to just fall asleep to the TV or to our phones. Like usually our phones are the last things we're digging in before we marinate for like, nine hours or however seven hours however long you're sleeping and what was so fascinating to me is the other night i was reading i love self-help books and i was reading this chapter on gratitude and it was talking about when we're dealing with someone difficult in our life how do we find gratitude in that and the way you find gratitude in it what the book suggested is just be grateful that you have so many other people in your life that aren't this difficult <laughs> And that you don't have to deal with this person, you know, every day or whatever it is. And it was so wild because the next, very next morning, I had to deal with someone extremely difficult. And I just went back to that passage and I thought, wow, how grateful do I feel that I have so many amazing friends who I love to be around who don't get on my last nerve. <laughs> and it just reminded me that and I, I say this a lot to when we I get together with the girl groups is there's so much knowledge in books and for $9.99 someone's already done the heavy lifting for us someone's already done the research they've already walked through the trials and tribulations and they're giving it to us for nothing and it's all there and it just can help spark a higher level of thinking a shift in consciousness a 
just more tools for your tool belt. And to me, that's how you support yourself. I mean, what's that? The after school special? The more you know. <laughs> you know, really, when they say knowledge is power, it's 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 really about it's self power because you're really supporting yourself with all that information. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. Well, I wanted to do this episode because um, there are just way too many people I care about. And there's uh, a lot of people I know that have been struggling or, again, like are just challenged with so many things coming at us. I mean, I really hate to say it, but I lost a couple people last year that took their own life and it blows my mind, right? You know, people you care about that don't know they were loved. And, um, it was a little bit more of an abstract philosophical conversation than we usually have on the idea fountain, but I'm so glad you were here to have it, Liz. Oh, I feel honored that you asked me. Anything else you want to add? Any like parting tips? Uh, you know, one of the things that has really come to my attention lately is self-talk you know I'm always an advocate of it but even more so now I was just again telling my good friend Diana here you know since one of the things since my mom passed it was like instantaneous as soon as she was gone I realized like I'm her legacy now and so it just made my um, capacity for any negativity or any BS like I have zero tolerance I mean of course things are going to happen in life but it made me uh, just really take account for how I speak to myself. Because I'm like, no, you cannot speak to your daughter that way. Like, that's how I hear my mother in my head. Like, don't speak to my daughter that way. And so, you know, how we speak to ourselves is how we love ourselves. And so I just, I have such a different understanding of how my mother would want me to be cared for. So I have to care for myself the way she would want to care for me so i say that to say to everybody be so mindful of how you speak to yourself how would you want the person who loves you the most to speak to you because that's how you empower yourself that's how you support yourself that's how you love yourself you've got this beautiful loving message of your mother saying how would you talk to yourself and all that's in my head right now is ice cube you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself <laughs> So whatever works for you. Julie Pyatt, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, everybody, for coming over. And um, we love you all. Don't call Julie if you want a boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs>